Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to episode 147 of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putbank. I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hi. And our giggly co-host, Matt Smith. Good morning. So did you get your nose out of the way on that one, uh, Matt? I did. Okay. Hope you didn't hurt your neck. So Matt's got a case of the giggles from stuff that we were talking about before we started recording. If you want to know more, just send him a DM at Snakebite350 and ask him all about it. He will be glad you did. I will. Yeah. So. By the way, his dad's 69. Oh, Jesus. 69 yes. years old. His dad is 69 years old. So that gives you an idea of the kind of stupidities that we talk about between each other off air. As Matt is currently crying. Uh, he's down for the count like he took a knee on knee hit. That uh, never happened. That uh, never happened. Good segue. Good segue. <laughs> segue. All right. So today's episode, we're getting ready for, as we record, it's Saturday morning, May 22nd. Uh, by the way, happy birthday, mom. Um, the Montreal Canadiens are going to be playing the Toronto Maple Leafs in game two of the series that the Habs lead one nothing in. So getting ready for that, we're going to talk a little bit about special teams, uh, some of the asinine crap that's happened between game one and now, some of the plans, lines, we're going to go through it all. Uh, but before we do, we got some news from overseas. Andre Markov has signed with HC Vitaz in Moscow to become an assistant coach for their KHL team. So congratulations to Andre. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, his time there is fruitful and he comes to Montreal right after as an assistant coach. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't it? I think it'd be really. I think it'd be fantastic for the organization. He's, you know, he's been a guy that's been uh, looked up to for for many years within this organization. He's a fan favorite. Everyone loves him. Everyone wanted to see him come back. And um, he's going to be what 43? 43 at the end of the year or something, right? So his his playing days have kind of uh, have slowed slowed down a little bit. So I'm I'm really happy that he's found that opportunity. Um, as an assistant coach and, you know, maybe, maybe you never know, maybe we'll see him as a head coach someday um, in the KHL and then maybe come back to the NHL. Well, by the end of his three-year contract, <clears throat> his, uh, his kids will be pretty, I think they're going to be about 18 years old at the time. And that was the main reason why he went back to, uh, to Russia was to 
take care of his family because his yep. his ex-wife had passed away and his, yep. his children wanted some con- you know they needed some stability so absolutely markov and his wife moved out there he played a couple of years um everything seems to be going well for him family wise so that's great and getting this job is even better because it keeps him close to home yep. but by the end of the contract his kids should be about majority age so he might be open to maybe trying to go back to montreal a city that he loves so so i'd love to see it yeah absolutely um but in the meantime i wish him nothing but the best uh, i hope he gets three gagarian cups in a row and uh comes to montreal is ready to ready to coach <laughs> um all right so that's enough outside of the playoff talk um we have to address this. I mean, Matt and I addressed it in our post-game episode yesterday. Um, but, Treg, you were unavailable as you were probably getting drunk, which is what you do. You know, <laughs> I That's wish. why you never wear pants. I wish I was getting drunk. but You're always drunk, never wearing pants. So, uh, we're going to have to talk about the hit a little bit. Somehow, in between when it actually happened and this morning Ben Sherratt has become an evil villain and a dirty player because a small segment and I'm going to make this very clear it's a small segment of the Toronto fan base because the vast majority are being realistic and saying it was a clean hit with an unfortunate result but a small segment need some kind of a villain to blame the incident on so they can focus their hate and rage. And Shrod is it. Um, even Jeff Fayette has made assertions that it was a dirty hit. And then he went and deleted that thread when he found, he figured, oh shit, I'm getting ratioed here. So, Treg, what was your take? Was it a knee-on-knee as this group of idiots believe? Well, according to Sportsnet's <clears throat> replay... Uh, it was shoulder to shoulder. The no knee, the knees don't even make contact. Uh, Sherrod's knee goes between Tavares's leg, and it's just because of the angle. Uh, the first contact made is shoulder to shoulder. Uh, no knee ever makes contact with another knee. Uh, it's just the way uh, Tavares moved to get out of the way of the check forced him to fall the way he did. Now, to me, I don't even think it's really Habs fan or sorry, Leafs fans that are, are really getting buying into this because it's places like the Fan 590 who have guests on like Christopher Stieg who uh, go right out and say, sure, it was a dirty hit. It was a dangerous and dirty hit by Sherratt, Uh And it should never have been done if Sherratt didn't make that hit. Uh, Tavares doesn't fall the way he fell. Uh, or you have uh, other less worthy podcasts than ours, like the hockey dummies who, uh, you know, go out and try to say it's knee and knee. And then I uh, personally, I think they're just trolling now because even when you show the replays and show what it is, they're still claiming it's knee on knee, even though, you know, it's they're doing it for not. traffic. Yeah, they're doing it for traffic, but, uh, <clears throat> and of course you have some of the dummy leaf fans who are like, Oh, take out price, take out this person. And it's, you just ignore them because they're not real fans. And most, real Leaf fans would know this. And we were friends with a lot of Leaf people on the other side, Fulton yep. Reed on Twitter, Fulton Reed, offside hockey, uh, coach Bombay, the list goes on. Like, yeah. The know. dark guy, dark guy's a friend of mine. Dark guy. So and, Jay, and, Jay's a friend. And he, he even admits that this was a, a clean hit with an unfortunate incident. Yeah, oh, ex- exactly. And this is the problem with the media is they're looking for someone to blame. Uh, you can't blame Perry because it was quite obvious, especially with his comments after the game and the fact that he's actually really good friends with John Tavares. Um, they're looking for that next headline. Yeah. That's all it is. That's right? all it is. exactly yep. what they're yep. doing. Clickbait bullshit. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, so Sherratt was quiet and no one looked at Sherratt. So, oh, we can't blame Perry. Let's blame Sherratt for the hit. Yeah. And they're, they're making up a narrative that's not there. Yeah, and Sherratt was, uh, Sherratt was credited with one hit for that game. So that was the one. Yeah. And I mean, before the series began, Sherratt, according to the Toronto media and the fan base, it was slow, unable to do anything, a garbage hockey player, 
could never catch anyone on the ice. So they're not afraid of him. Now he is this evil genius who somehow figured a way to catch up to the ultra speedy players and find a way to injure them stealthily. Like, come on guys. It was a hit. It was a clean hit. It just ended badly. Yeah. Perry and Sherratt sat on the bench and said, Hey, I got a plan. I'm going to awkwardly hit Tavares. When he hits, I want you to knee him in the face. That's what they were. That's what they do with those iPads. They do. They, they use that uh, TSN, that, or that the bell, and that, they use that bell 5G angle thing on the bench, even though TSN wasn't holding the game. That's what they did. They were like, if we hit him this way, if you spin it on your phone, he'll <laughs> fall this way. But it doesn't work the way the way it does for them, for the rest of us, because oh, they have the 5G vaccine. There so that it tees up together the 5G and the 5G to make 10G. Yeah, so they saw all the angles, so they know this hit was coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. totally yeah it's okay just, so yeah. yeah so that's you know it's pretty clear it was clean uh people are out there trying to be fucking idiots and make this more than it is so that they can create some kind of animosity like it's needed in a leaf yeah. habs series come on people this is this is the classic rivalry and it's it's on they said they're looking for someone to blame and then they're 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 trying to pump this up as something that if uh, you know Trey, we Treg and I talked about it a little bit um, before the show that uh, they're looking for they're looking for a re- like so- something to blame if they don't win and then they're looking for something to pump them up if they do win saying yeah. you know we we lost because we lost our captain or we won because we 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 won because we 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 played for our captain right so. Yeah. There, it is just built-in excuses or built-in heroics. Yeah. So, th- like you said, we lost w- uh, because we didn't have our captain, or we won despite our captain. We're the greatest. So that's all this is at this point. That's what they're looking for. They're getting everything set up. You can see it coming from a mile away because this is what they do every year. Um, all right, moving on from that trash to the actual series, which is turning out to be, it's looking like it's going to end up being a classic now. Before the series began, I had the Leafs taking it in seven. So far, I haven't seen anything that will change my mind that the Canadians can eke out that last win versus losing at the end. However, Tavares is out. It's a sad, unfortunate thing. I wish him, I wish him full recovery and a quick recovery. And I'm kind of, I'm hoping he comes back sooner rather than later. However, the odds are that he is out for this series. Yeah. <clears throat> so that changes the lay of the land. And we did this breakdown before the series began where we broke down lines and who they'd match up with. Now the Suzuki line we had matching up with Tavares's line with Tavares out. The Suzuki line is set up to become a difference maker. So do yes. you see, do you guys see any adjustments coming? And I'm going to start with you, Matt. Do you no, think there's I, 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 I keep line? it. I keep it the same. The Leafs have already. Um, the Leafs have already changed that lineup, and they've moved Felino to the middle um, with Nylander and Galchenyuk coming yeah. in. Yeah. Um, if you have Felino at the center, well, your centers aren't usually the ones that are coming in on the forecheck. So that that'll bring that'll bring one uh, one weapon and one of their most physical players out, out of the mix on the for that line so uh, you know for me the Suzuki line didn't really um, didn't really turn too many heads in the first game no so I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking maybe that this could play into uh, as an advantage and uh, I think it'd be a good matchup for them Treg um <clears throat> I agree with Matt there. I think this is a bull opportunity for that Suzuki line to get going because uh, Gal- although Galchenyuk's not a bad four checker, I'm not. I'm not going. No, to he's, no, he's not. But he's not. But he isn't a. He isn't he's a. Not a he's not. He isn't, a play, he isn't a playoff Felino. That's for no, sure. And he's not physical. Uh, I think Galchenyuk will try to prove something against Montreal in this playoffs while he's out there, and he may try to do too much, which could go to Montreal's advantage. Yeah. Um, the only uh, different change, I, I think Kotkaniemi is going to be in for Evans, although it hasn't been said yet uh, who's going to be in or out of the lineup. Or if he's um, going to even miss the game. Or if Evans is even going to miss. He's listed yeah. as day-to-day. 
Uh, I, I'm thinking he will. I'm thinking Cotton Yemi will come in. But other than that, I don't see any changes. I don't see Montreal changing up their lineups. I don't see, uh, you know, I think the KK, if whether it's Evans or KK, that'll stay as the fourth line. That line, too, wasn't really – didn't – to have the energy it had in the past games. Uh, well, I don't know. That, Byron's that, goal. Uh, <clears throat> that Evans, lo- Evans, when he was in, in the first two periods, that line went up against Matthews a few, quite a few times and they, they had the speed. They looked okay. So that's, I'm not saying line. they look bad. I'm just saying yeah. they didn't have the, the last couple games that they played. They didn't have, didn't seem like they had the same energy, but again, they were playing defensive Type. Yeah. The last the last couple games that they played though they were resting some of their regulars Correct. they didn't and and they didn't have some of these regulars in yeah. so yeah. they were utilized more as a top six line as instead of a instead of a bottom yeah. six line but uh, yeah I don't think they were too I, don't, I didn't think they were too bad but uh, when they obviously when they lost Devons partway through the game said so he only played just under eight minutes for the game so uh, yeah he took that, sh- that slap shot to the side of the knee. And I think that's what's, what's hampering him. It could be, uh, you know, maybe a bone bruise. It, it could keep him out of the lineup. We're not sure yet. It, it, now, it sucks. It sucks because they're, they're going to lose a penalty killer, but if they can bring Kakeniemi in, that's going to give a weapon to the power play and it'll bring some physicality as well to that line, a little bit yes. more, more physicality to that line. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into we'll get into that part of it here in a little bit. But to stay on the uh, the adjustments on the Suzuki line, um, so with he's with Tafoli and Armia right now. Now, Ducharme went full veteran. We had this big discussion. I still would have gone with more youth in this lineup, and. It's great that they won, but it was such a, it was such a close game that, you know, the changes will be coming in this game too. The announcements will be coming in a few hours, but there will be a lineup change. I can guarantee you that. Um, But with the adjustment on Suzuki's line with Foligno moved to center, a position he has not played regularly in about four years, he's a capable center but he's been on the wing for at least four years in Columbus. And now, now Toronto, I, this is where Suzuki can possibly find that little bit of an edge. Tavares is an extreme, he's a star center. He is excellent on both ends of the puck over 200 feet. Now Foligno is good defensively on the wing, but at center, he's a little bit under, underutilized. So he's going to be rusty. And that's where, Suzuki will have to take advantage and Treg you mentioned Galchenyuk being on that line now and you're right um him being on that left side Toffoli can probably take advantage of that he's he's having a much better year he's more he's more experienced he he knows his role better than Galchenyuk has ever really had I'm not saying Galchenyuk's bad I'm just saying that head-to-head Toffoli's the better player right now. Armia on the right wing, that's that's where I don't know. I that's where I would make a change. I would bring in Caulfield. But... I, I w- personally, I wouldn't even do that. I would swap and especially since uh, Tavares is out and, and you've got that um, that kind of that question mark at center right now. I would swap out Armia and Anderson and have Anderson Toffoli and Suzuki on a line. Because then you bring that you bring that physicality to that matchup, and you're going to be instead of wearing down more or less your bottom six, you're going to be wearing down players in the top six. And I, their, I wouldn't and those top tier no. defensemen. See, I would, I would change keep, that line. I would keep Anderson's where he's at because yeah. if you notice what Desharm's trying to do, he's really trying to push that breakout pass. Yeah. So he knows Perry and and Stahl can pass the puck. Anderson has the size and the speed, and that's how they got the first goal of the game. Yeah. And they've been double Solid. shifting them quite a bit as well. Yes. So yes, uh, yes. I personally, I would keep Armia. Just be, I didn't think Armia had a bad game. Uh, I thought he, he didn't play pa- bad, uh, but um, you're you're looking to take an advantage offensively, and that's that's basically where you would make your change. There's I would no, save Caulfield for the the final line change in Montreal. I would save him for the Montreal game. Maybe now, I, although I do um, think Caulfield should be in the lineup. Uh, just because I think him and Cockney would make that power play so much better. Sure. Well, I just don't, I just don't know where, I don't know who you take out. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, with, with Toronto, I'm going to skip over to Toronto a little bit here. Galchenik's in that top six role. They're bringing in Engvall to replace Nash. Nash yeah. played, I thought, a pretty decent game. But yeah, they're expecting, they but they're, they want more offense. They're trying to find more offense by committee. Sound familiar? Yeah. So they move Nash out, a guy who is amazing on the, on the face-offs, and he won a ton of them in the second period when the Leafs took over the possession numbers. So he's out, and Engvall is in. And Engvall has moved to that third-line role. So they're trying to find a little bit more spark offensively to kind of make up for that loss in Tavares. Uh, their fourth line isn't touched, and that's fine. I don't see that being an issue for the Canadians, as I think the Canadians win that matchup. Um, so what? all this is I'm going to ask uh, – is Toronto now a one-line team with Tavares out? Do they have with those guys? Do they still have the depth to compete? And you know, who's going to step up? Who do you think can step up? Because we're we're talking about a team that the Canadians are going to be playing against this entire series, and they need I, they need that. I think they kind of are a one-line team now, because um, yeah. I think Nylander relied a lot on Tavares. Um, I, I think the person's going to step up, believe it or not, I think it's going to be Galchenyuk. I think Galchenyuk, like I say, he got something to prove against the Canadians. He wants to show what he can do, but this could be also something that uh, actually hurts the Leafs because he might go out there and try to do way too much and just yes. overplay his hand. Um, if anyone's going to step up, I mean, they're basically a four player team right now with, uh, Marner, uh, Matthews, Nylander, and Hyman. I, I think Hyman's a good player. I like Hyman on that first line. Um, but after that, you're kind of wishy-washy. Kerfoot, I think, is now the third-line center. Uh, Felino's going to play center. Their, their center depth is done, basically. Uh, I mean, I say this now, and who knows? Those guys could come out tonight and have a – all those guys we talked about could have a great game. But I don't see them – I don't see their depth better than Montreal's. So uh, – I, I, I think it's tough to say. This series has really changed with Tavares being out. It's really... It really changes the the, yeah. the lay of the land. Like, I still... Yeah. I'm still waiting to see what the Canadians bring in the second game tonight yeah. before I decide I'm going to change my mind on the outcome of this series. I still... I'm still sticking to my original prediction. I don't... Until I see game two where the Montreal Canadiens actually come out and improve on their play from game one. I, I won't change my prediction because I had them winning three games already. So that's just one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Toronto and the, without Tavares in that lineup, the door is open for the Canadians to really take advantage. It really is. Um, the Deneau line seemed to do okay against Matthews and Marner. High danger chances, the Canadians won that battle. Mm -hmm. They had more high danger chances. The Matthews-Marner line had three high danger chances the entire game. If you can keep them to that or less, then that matchup is doing its job. Because you can't, you can't shut them down completely. Yeah. But that entire game was all Matthews. If you look at the, the stats, Matthews was pretty much the entire... Even though Nylander scored... Matthews yeah. was pretty much the entire Toronto offense. Yeah, it ate of their thirty-six shots. Yeah, and that uh, that Nylander goal was kind of fluky. It went off a leg and then just landed mm -hmm. right on a stick. And if you notice what the Leafs are doing, they got a they got a scouting report on Price, where they they seem to believe that starting a play down below the goal line, so they can jam it in on the far side or pass it up to a, a person in the slot to force price to kick off from the post up to the middle. They feel that that is the, the, the key to scoring goals on him, that he can't set himself quick enough. So that's what they've been going at. And that's where, to, that's where Nylander was when he scored his goal. You watch all their power plays and there's, they're setting it up so that they have all their, uh, they have players, sometimes three below the goal line so they can set up those plays. So the and, Canadians' defense need to shut that down. And even though Toronto's power play didn't score, they didn't look terrible either. 
no, they look good. They, they, they continue to show pressure yeah. and price stood, uh, stood up to it. I mean, let's be honest price during the regular season, last couple of years, hasn't been very good about a nine Oh five save percentage, but the last two years in the playoffs, like game one, plus all the, all the uh, bubble games last year, he's at about a nine forty. So price in the playoffs is he steps up. So that's what they need the rest of the way. Price needs to be price. No ifs, ends, or buts. And when you look down at the other end, uh, you look at Campbell. This is going to be a second playoff game. He, he looked good in that first one. He had about a 930 save percentage. He made some really nice saves, um, especially on Anderson early. Mm. But is he the least version of the Hamburglar? Like, is the bubble going to burst with this guy? No, I'm serious. I think he's, a, next, he's an ex-James Reimer. I'm telling you right now. Like, I know Leafs fans are excited about Campbell and they're yeah. actually talking about going into the next season with Campbell and Riddick or Hutchinson as their backup. Yeah. And I think he's, I think he's a one B to backup goalie. I'm sorry, yeah. but I don't think he's a starting goaltender. I think he's like what Jake Allen would be. Uh, you know, Jake Allen's not a starter. He has the potential there to be a starter. He's kind of like that almost there as a starter but once you start throwing the games in on him as the season wears on he gets doesn't mental get a, fatigue to mental fatigue and i think that's what they're going to have with campbell that's why i don't think campbell could ever push quick out of the crease in uh, la because he just doesn't have that starter mentality that's my opinion i could be totally wrong they could go in next year and campbell could win 60 games i don't know hard but, to say uh, what's going to come from that i you know i i just don't want to see another yeah. Like the, he seems like he seems like a genuine a genuine guy, you know what I mean? Yep. And um, you know, you've seen some of his interviews and everything like that. I I just don't want to see him um do what every other goalie's done over the years in Toronto and just be like, Oh, the blame's hundred percent on me, this is why we lost, et cetera. And I don't want to see that. you know, I don't want to see him, you know, I don't want to see him pushed out of town based on you know, this series or what, whatever comes of this series or even this playoff run for the, for look, the league. Look at Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson's not a bad goalie. No, he's not. He's probably he's the not. best goalie Toronto's had in years and they all hate him. Yeah. This, this year. Yeah. He struggled. He struggled. Uh, he struggled. Um, he struggled during the season and now he's back and he was practicing yesterday. So they were like goalie controversy until they found out that it was just a maintenance day for Campbell. But yeah. But, uh, now, what happens in game two? <clears throat> Let's say uh, somehow, miraculously, because, you know, it is the Leafs. Miraculously, the Canadians win. And Campbell let in one goal that they kind of think maybe was bad. <clears throat> but he played well the rest of the game. Like, let's let's be honest. Campbell's still pretty good. Yeah. And he he looked amazing in that game, in game one. But if he has just one thing that kind of looks like an error that leads to a goal... How long before that fan base turns on him? 10 seconds, know. 20? I, I, I it'd be, if they go down two, nothing and say they lose three, one, say Montreal wins three, one tonight. And that second goal, you're kind of like, should have had that one. I say people start calling for Anderson almost right away. Oh, with within seconds of that goal being yeah. scored. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that would, that would be basically the death bell for the series for the Leafs, if that were to happen. If they go down 2 nothing, it's I think it's over for, for Toronto. I, um, I don't know about over, but if the goalie controversy thing rears its head at the same time, then maybe. I, because, I can see maybe. Because all the pressure's on Toronto. Toronto, yeah. as everyone on Sportsnet and everywhere says, except for Eric Angles, who said they'd lose in seven, they had them six or, six or less, six or five. No one said four, but everyone said six or five. And... Uh, for Montreal to go up two nothing, going back to Montreal with back to back games, uh, can almost think well back to back games. Each team should win one, you know, depending on who, you know. And if that's the case, in game three, going back home, Montreal should throw if they're up two nothing, throw everything they got at them in, in that first game. You go up three nothing, and then say, all right, we'll throw Allen in for the second game, rest Price. If we lose, we're still up three to one. We just got to win one more game down the road. Yeah, I think um, I think going up two nothing in the series, you know, taking two games in Toronto, which is something that nobody expected, like nobody, except for the hardest the hardest core of hardcore Habs fans. 
I, I still doubt it will ha- might happen, but I'm hoping it will. But based on last night's yeah. game, I think it it's can possible. happen. I, think they, I said they, I said have some five. So, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, uh, the hardest core of the hardcore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, but, I'm hoping uh, to see it. I'm not expecting it, but I'm hoping to see it. Yeah, for me, everything rests on that uh, that skill gap that that exists on the second line. Now, yeah. the Deno line matches up with the the Matthews line, and we're going to see that the rest of the series. We know what to expect there. Deno is, he is, uh, you know, one of the top defensive centers in the NHL. You know, he's like a top 10 Selkie vote getter kind of center. So that's what you get. And you got Gallagher there with him. You got Tatar there with him. A very stable, secure, defensively responsible line that can actually build possession numbers. So that's, that's, that's a good matchup. But that second line with Suzuki, I gotta, I keep coming back to it. That skill gap that existed before is gone. So this is where Suzuki steps in and can make the difference in this series. And if his play in this game creates that two nothing series lead, then I can see the wheels starting to fall off in Toronto because, like you mentioned, uh, Treg, you mentioned it, the press, the fans, the pressure from them, it's going to become unbearable because Toronto walked into this as the biggest uh, the biggest favorites in any series of the playoffs they were supposed to walk away with it you look at Craig Button on TSN <laughs> you know Montreal can't even win blah 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 and I know he's you know he's he's playing up a character a little bit and if they tried to get him to walk back his comments that the Canadians won he's like ah I don't remember any of that I'm like a goalie I, I forget that stuff yeah. And it's funny. It's fun to watch. I get it. But at the same time, the Canadians were given no chances to win this series from anyone. Same thing happened last year. Look what happened. So Exactly. So clearly the guys have seen that as a clarion call, I guess. Yep. But the game is still played on the ice. The guys still have to perform. And this skill gap is where they have to, they have to take advantage of that. It sucks that Tavares is hurt. You don't want to see a guy go down. You don't want to see a guy get hurt. But it's the playoffs. You're gonna. It's a war of attrition. You look at the Edmonton series. Nobody's hurt. They're just banged up. And again, you know, without McDavid scoring five goals a game, they're losing. Hasn't scored any. Hasn't scored any. Yeah. So good. The you know whoever wins this series between Montreal and Toronto it looks like they're going to end up with Winnipeg, which is not, you know, that that's not a, woo, yay, Winnipeg, you know? I'll say one thing about the Winnipeg-Edmonton series, though. So far, it's been the series that I think has felt less like a playoff series. Yeah, Brian, of, uh, Brian of, Wild uh, mentioned uh, it last right, night, of, too. Of, of any series that I've, yeah. that I've seen so far. Like, I've watched some of the Minnesota series. I've watched some of the Florida series. I've watched some of the Colorado series. Obviously, I'm watching this series. And it just seems... It just seems that this, not yeah, the intensity doesn't, it's not there as much as the other ones. That's for sure. Which I know is upsetting Brian Mudrick, friend of the show. Well, <laughs> like it's, it's, I think it's upsetting a lot, a hell of a lot of people, especially, especially fans of both of those fan bases that are, are used to seeing, especially Winnipeg, seeing a team that's like a smash and bang in your face type, uh, type hockey Winnipeg team. Winnipeg doesn't have really any smash and bangers anymore. Like well, they're top gone. six. They, they finished yeah. their checks. But, I mean, if you're a Winnipeg fan, do you really give a crap if it's not intense enough? You're up to nothing right now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing what they have to to win right now. Yeah. Yep. And maybe that's what they need to do. Maybe they need to take the intensity out of the game to slow, dry, sidle McDavid down. And so yeah. far, it's working. Yeah. And that's, that's what you think Toronto's going to try and do. You would think to take that intensity out because the Canadians' game plan is clearly to hit anything that moves. Yeah. yeah. You Go finish ahead. every single check. 50 some odd checks, didn't they? 50 to 50, 57, I think. 57 yeah. to like 20 something. 20 something. Yeah, I think 57 yeah. to 27 or something like that. Now, Even mind you, I heard I heard that the count was wrong, that it oh, was yeah. fixated. But all you, all you had to do is watch the game. Yeah. 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 There's but even it, that part of the game where the Canadians are clearly uh, out hitting the Leafs. Yeah, maybe, that is maybe, even pissing off Leaf fans. Maybe that Sherratt thing. Maybe they gave 0. 0.5 to Sherratt because it was a neon knee. But yeah. You know, so we'll yeah, whatever. 
That's so well, I, I, I'm just saying, and, and it goes with the season stats. Montreal out hit Led Toronto. The that while well, they were second or something, weren't they second or third? No, I think Montreal was first in the league. I think they were. I think they were. Or yeah. were they? All right. Anyway, and Toronto was something like way down the list somewhere. 28th. Yeah. So Toronto's just not a hitting team. And Toronto's they, not that physical. They're not built that way. No, they're not. They're not built to play that way. The Canadians this season have been built to play that way, and they're doing it in the playoffs. So I don't know why anyone's upset that Montreal's out hitting them or that the ratio is what it is. I mean, do you have to you have to dominate every single statistical category for you to feel good about yourself? Like, come on. I the mean, only thing that matters is the win. Yeah, and goals win games. Hits normally don't. Well, in this case, the hits were the way the Canadians were playing, and we're going to get into the the game planning and stuff here. The way the Canadians are playing, they're using their physicality to slow down Toronto, and it kept them to the outside. And it was able to create more hits because they were on the outside. And because they were on the outside, those shots that they were taking, the, especially with Matthews, a lot of them were less dangerous because they're further away from the net. Like Matthews had a couple that were in the slot. One went off the post during a power play mm-hmm. that could have easily been a goal, but it doesn't count. It's not a high danger. It's a high danger chance, but it's not a shot. But by keeping him to the outside, you, you keep those high danger chances down by keeping the high danger chances down price looks better and prices <laughs> with price in his own with a low, <clears throat> with a, with very few high danger chances. This is the, this is the formula for the Canadians to have success. Oh, exactly. Especially uh, if they stick to their game plan and this is the key to Montreal's consistency because Montreal hasn't been consistent all year. No. Um, except for maybe the, West. The only time they were consistent was in the Western Series, right of the first of the season. That was when they it. were getting a couple of, or get, getting a day off between games. Correct. Um, consistency is going to be the key, and if Dom Ducharme uh, can keep the consistency, keep the game plan going, keep it a consistent. If they play the same game they did in Game One, I'm happy. Win or lose, I'm happy with their game plan because they they stuck to the game plan, and uh, so far the game plan's working. Do they need more offense? Yes. What they need, actually, I don't even think they need more offense. What they need is their power play. Special teams is going to win this series. Uh, Toronto's power play didn't score. The PK were good. They weren't, the PK was good. It kept the the shots to the outside. They blocked a lot of shots, uh, uh, you know, but they, you saw some cracks in it that just didn't get through. Um, but uh, Montreal's power play was terrible. It was terrible against Toronto. I don't yes. think they had it even set up for I, i'm trying to think of a power they had five power plays they got two I'm shots try, on net and i'm trying to think of one where they actually set up and had a good chance and i can't really even think of any they had um, they had a couple of shots and they were like one one could be considered high danger but it was through and it was through a crowd which is what you want you want the traffic yeah. there but it missed the net all i see was them struggling just to get in the zone just yes. struggling to get yeah. in the zone. And the reason being is Toronto just played up to them. They forechecked and played up. They didn't sit back and let them come in. Toronto's and penalty kill is pretty good. It is. It is. And uh, so right then and there, that's that's where Montreal – Montreal could have won that game 5-1 if they had a power play that was on point. That game would have been yeah. over early, uh, and- all because Toronto decided to do the Montreal penalties and throw the puck out of the arena three times. Um but this is this is where I'm I'm kind of I'm looking at the changes in the Canadians lineup and the power play and the penalty kill are key reasons as to my thought process on who should come in and yeah. just bear with me a little bit it's going to take me a minute to explain so Evans is day to day may not play Evans is one of the penalty killers and the power play has been garbage so you want to improve the power play without hurting the penalty kill so you bring in Kotkaniemi to play in Evans's spot. Well, in practice yesterday, Kotkaniemi was was practicing on the power play. So that would improve the power play because he's taking Armia's spot. And Armia, he's not a really good power play guy. Let's be honest. So if you bring in Kotkaniemi in replacement of Evans you're not losing out too much defensively 
on the line at five on five and you're improving your power play. And Armia would stay in. I don't see Caulfield coming in at the same time. You keep Armia in because now he's one of your top power uh, penalty kill guys. With Evans gone, you want to keep that, that option. And by taking away his power play time, you save his legs so that he's rest, more rested to play on, on the penalty kill. So you, you improve the two by just making one change. And that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's why I'm thinking if Kotkaniemi comes in, we do not see Caulfield. The only yeah, thing with I, that, I, like I, 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 I completely agree with the power play side of it, one hundred percent. The only thing that, that I think would happen is they would have to lean on Suzuki or Jano more at the center position because you're losing that center option at uh, for your penalty kill. And if they take, if uh, if the refs, um, you know, start shooting their arm up a lot, then it's going to start wearing down those top two lines, those top two centers, right? I think Kakadiami doesn't kill penalties, and you don't want to see Stall out there killing penalties. I think they're going to go with Byron Armia. Armia can play center to kill a penalty, and he's pretty good at it. So I don't think you need to worry too much about Suzuki playing anymore. Dano may play, get a little bit more penalty kill time, may stay out a little longer. But uh, you can put, but then if they don't, they've done it through the regular season. Byron or Mia put on. Jason Paul's a big fan of Byron or Mia on the same line yeah. for, for yeah. the penalty kill. That's their and, top uh, PK unit, I think. Yeah. Uh, statistically, it is. So I'm not worried about their PK. No, they still uh, got Lekin in. They still got Suzuki can do it. Uh, they've got uh, a bunch of options. Yeah. Uh, my work, and I like the way the Dom Ducharme's deploying the defense on power penalty kill as well. By uh, even though Weber's matched with Morrill in the five on five, he's matched with Sherratt on the or Edmondson on the penalty kill, which I kind of yeah I, I a little like bit that. more a little bit more mobility there with Edmondson. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but the power play uh, is Kotkaniemi going to be that difference maker on the power play? He's going to be better than Armia. He's an upgrade yeah. to Armia. Um, I still think they need a guy like Caulfield on that power play to really one hundred percent. But and like I, I said, there's a balance that has to be found. Yeah. And that's basically the best you can do without hurting your penalty kill. And, and this is why I don't think you see Caulfield coming into game two. I, I think Caught I want him in. in. Oh, I want him in. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, you're absolutely, yeah. who do you take out? You don't, you're not taking out Byron. Lekkanen, maybe. Lekkanen would be the option to take out um, that may not hurt your PK as much. But, uh, yeah, no, I – the style of the game they're playing, right now, Caulfield's not the answer five on five. He'd only be but there for the power He's play. not a He's not a, a detriment either way. He's not, but he's not – I don't know. He, he, I'm basing this on Ducharme's methodology so far. His methodology, you're not going to see Cotton Emmy and uh, – and, Caulfield come in at the same time. You're just not going to see it. He's not going to sacrifice his PK just to improve his power play. Exactly. Matt? I don't think Caulfield's going to come in either. Yeah. Not for a while. Not for a while. What about uh, Romanoff? I didn't anyone... see anything to, to take Merrill out. Yeah, so exactly. If, me, me neither. Because you didn't, he, you didn't hear his name. And with Merrill, if you don't hear his name, that's good. Yep. So if... Um, if we find him noticeable tonight, it's more than likely going to be for a negative reason <clears throat> because he's a defensive guy. Yeah, or, so or, the, or Kulak. One of the, one of the two, one of the yeah, two, one yeah. of the two could, could be that could be no, someone that we'd have to watch. No defenseman, Sean, in that game, no defenseman from no, Weber, no. Petrie down. No one really, but no one screwed up a, either, but That's no right. one screwed up. Like yeah. everyone played that perfect defensive game where you don't even hear their name. Yeah. which is what you want in a series yeah. like this. You yeah. need that. Yeah. And that's why if one of them trips like a Kulak or a Merrill, like Matt said, Romanoff that's when you it. see Mer- Romanoff. <clears throat> now I'm going to, I'm going to ask this to Matt first sure. because we got a question in from a colleague at the hockey writers who loves the show, especially Matt thinks you're the best. The, the rest of us, not so much. So this is from Rob Stagenborg, who, uh, who does uh, the blues podcast for hockey writers and he writes, he covers the blues. Uh, He says uh, great game by Habs and the goal of the year by Byron. But is this type uh, this type of game play sustainable against a team as strong as the Leafs? How does a one nothing lead 
change things up for the Canadians. I'll hang up and listen. First time caller, long time listener. Hashtag XOXO Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, I believe I believe it's 100% sustainable because you're playing a team that can't uh, that can't take it. So I would say 100%. Um, your Montreal is they've they've got a clear game plan and it's uh, it's to hit anything that moves and uh, play pucks along the boards where you can really punish the opponent. Um, you, we've seen some breakout passes. We've seen uh, some tr- some scoring chances on the rush, and that's how the Canadians need to play. They need to play with speed. They need to play with physicality. And um, if they continue to do that, I believe they're going to wear down their uh, their opponent and uh, come up with a uh, an upset in this series. Okay. Treg? I think they can sustain it. I don't think it's, I mean, Toronto at times is going to break through. They just have too much talent. Uh, Matthews is too good of a hockey player to think he's not going to score in this entire series. Um, but then again, we never, we thought McDavid would have more goals in the Winnipeg series by now. But uh, so I think if Montreal keeps hitting Toronto, keeps pushing them to the outside, sticks to their game plan, Toronto needs to find an answer. It's Toronto that got to find the answer to Montreal, not Montreal find the answers to Toronto. So that puts more pressure on Toronto to change their game around. And once you start changing a game around game by game by game, you can't get a flow going. Um, tonight will be a, a, a very important hockey game on both sides. Uh, tonight, Montreal has a chance to go up to nothing. And if they do all, I mean, all the pressure is on Toronto every single little bit of it. And with Tavares out, unfortunately, uh, and like you mentioned earlier, Blaine, with the the way they have to jumble up their lines and it's all going to be on Toronto's depth. And I mentioned at the first of the season, I don't think Toronto's depth is as good as everyone thinks it is. Um, And that's going to be the difference in this hockey game. This is Montreal's depth or, well, not really Montreal's depth because their depth is actually better because it's not their good players are not playing um, with Caulfield and Cotton Yemi. So their depth is actually pretty good uh, with Montreal's third and fourth lines are now better than Toronto's. I think their second line is on par to Toronto's second line. So right now it's just basically can Matthews beat to that, that's what it's coming down to. And uh, that's, that's going to change. So I think if Montreal keeps their game plan, keeps doing what they're doing, then this is going to be a, whew, tough series for Toronto. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I think the pressure from the start of the series is all on Toronto anyway. <clears throat> With them being such massive favorites, um, the pressure was on them to win, especially with the fact that they went all in. And people say Montreal went all in because they, they signed a few guys. That's not true, especially when you keep all your top prospects, all your picks. You're not all in. He's not yet. This year, Toronto went all in. They traded away all their, their firsts and they, they got rid of a, a, you know, their top picks. <clears throat> their top prospect is a, a former second round pick. They traded away depth players to bring in, you know, what they felt were going to be difference makers. And they spent their money in areas that they had lacking, like TJ Brody being signed this year. Great signing, by the way. Excellent fit for the Leafs. <clears throat> so... The pressure's on them. They need to win the cup this year. If they, they haven't won a playoff series in so long, the last time they won a playoff series, if anyone was born, they are now legally able to vote. This is how long it's been. And in this rebuild, it's been five years building up to this, this season. You know, with, uh, with, with them saying that the North Division's so weak, this is their opening. So if they don't win this series when they're the massive favorites, the pressure's on. If they don't do this, that's it. They're, there's going to be heads rolling, people gone. It, everything's on them with the Canadians. Win or lose, meh. They walk into this series like, we're, we're underdogs. You know, the Canadians we're... take this to six or seven games. That's a victory for the Canadians. And it looks like, uh, and we, I expected them to bring it to seven. So they, the moral victory is already there for them. The bigger victory would make it getting to six games would be to have fans in the stands in Montreal. That, that one little spark, that one glimmer, they got, they took the, uh, the mighty Leafs deep into the series and got some people to sit at the arena and watch it in person. 
that that's the win. Yeah. They win the series bigger win. Yeah, and a win tonight, and a win tonight guarantees that we we see some fans in the stands. Yep. That's in another meantime, thing. Yeah, it's another thing that they can play hard for for tonight. And in the meantime, it's jerseys in the stands. So if you went to yeah. Tricolor Spa, you can buy a jersey and have it put in the stands. Uh, I bought one. So my Drouin jersey will be sitting in section 103. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, but yeah, the pressure's all on Toronto. And I don't see how the Canadians game plan would change. Even if Evans is out and you bring Kotkaniemi in, Kotkaniemi in the bubble last year was one of the most physical players that they had. So you're, he's not as fast as Evans, but he's bigger, more physical. So that matchup on the third line, in this case, I think this is the fourth line, the way they've been deployed. Yeah. Yeah. So that matchup on the fourth line bodes, bodes well. I mean, it's, I don't see it becoming a, a detriment. The third line with Stahl, <clears throat> where he's going to have to go up against Engvall and uh, Kerfoot, that's going to be a little tougher because Eng, uh, Kerfoot's good on the face-offs. Engvall's six foot five, two fifteen, and he's he can move. So <clears throat> this is where Stahl's uh, veteran mind has to come into play. That's the one where I'm kind of I'm not 100 percent sure on with this ch- with the changes. But again, back to the the Suzuki line, that skill gap is gone. That to me is the key. The, the second line is going to be, you're absolutely right. The second line is going to be the key to this second game. If they can get out and start putting pressure on Toronto and maybe pop a goal or two in, yep. this could be the, you know, that's going to, it's really going to tell you how much Toronto, how well Toronto was built after their, their top four. Especially um, with, if Kot Kanyemi does come in and the power play improves slightly, even if they don't score, <clears throat> just the fact that they can make it in the zone and take a few shots to create yeah. some momentum. You're, that's what you're hoping for. Cause I don't see too many penalties being called in this game. There's going to be a few. And as always, there's going to be one when the Leafs are down a goal, there's going to be some bullshit call. Well, it happened, <laughs> it happened twice in the first game. Exactly. Right. It's yeah. always the case. It's, it's never this clear cut. Oh yeah. That guy cross checked them. It's always a, he kind of hooked, uh, you know, lifted his stick a little bit, so they called it hooking. Or yeah, some of those were awful. Yeah, oh, like just awful. terrible calls. I'm still trying to figure out when a stick lift became a hooking penalty. Uh, when the Leafs are down a goal. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was clearly a, a stick. Tatar lifted his stick, and it's like, oh, penalty. Yeah. Well, thankfully they scored on it, and by yeah. they I mean Montreal. That's right. <laughs> and that would have been a that would have been a penalty too. They were calling a penalty on uh, whoever. On Sandin. But you know, when your penalty kill is outscoring your power play, you need to make adjustments. That's the part of the game plan that has to be fixed because Matt, you nailed it at five on five. The teams are, are pretty evenly matched with the possession numbers. Toronto's power play thankfully has been suffering because if it wasn't for that, they would have won that game because the Canadian much- power play is shit but there's too much skill on Toronto for that suffering to power play to suffer to, to continue. Yeah. It's there's been 30 games talent. now. Yeah. We're at 5% in the last 17 games. That's not going to continue. So you need and it to look good, but I'm Montreal, sorry. but Montreal can't give them that opportunity to work no. on it either. Right. No. So there's no. one thing, there's one thing when you're doing it in a practice, but when you're working, when you get that many opportunities in a game, you know, when you're sitting there on the bench, the first one doesn't work. Second one doesn't work, whatever you're, you're fine tuning or you're making adjustments during the game and you don't want it. You don't want them to have that opportunity to have that practice to, to, to finally break through. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead, Trey. I'm just, I'm just saying like Toronto eventually is going to find the back of the net on the power play. Uh, There's just too much talent. Montreal doesn't have the talent Toronto have, but they, they just have the grit. They just, they have a playoff team. They have a playoff team and it's going to come down. If Montreal can pop a one or two on the power play, it's going to be the difference in the game. Definitely. Yeah. Hard work. You got to, every single line, every single defenseman, they have to outwork their opposition. The Canadians are built where it's hard work. That's going to get them through. Cause like you said, Toronto has the skill. They, they have more than Montreal. 
There is no question about that. However, Montreal has the, uh, the, uh, the personnel that can outwork them. And that's going to be the key. We saw it in game one. And I keep harping on the second line skill gap being closed and Suzuki having to step up. But what I would like to see is the top line, Gallagher, Deneau, Tatar, find some offense. Because if you can stay even on the offense with their top line, which is going to score, you cannot keep them off the score sheet. They are going to score. Mar- Marner and Matthews are too good to stop completely. So you're going to want to even up on the offense. So if Marner's, uh, Marner and Matthews get a goal, you want Deno and Gallagher getting a goal. That way they're even. Yeah, you didn't shut them down, but you, you've, you've negated that advantage. And then it falls on everybody else to play at that level and out, outwork the Leafs. And that's where, again, the mismatches in our, uh, the depth, because I think the Canadians have the better depth, that, that's where they have to win. So everything rests on the, the, that top six, shutting down their top line, and then finding extra offense. And I think their game plan will continue. There's no reason to change. It, it's, no. it looks good. It, it looks like a game plan that could win. At the moment, I, like I said at the start of the show, I don't see my mind changing. I still see Toronto taking it in seven, but I might change my mind after game two if the Canadians actually show me a little bit more. I might still say, saying, I might as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well. You might say Montreal in four instead of five. <laughs> I think I still say Toronto in six. Uh, I think Toronto's going to come out hard. I think they are going to play for Jonathan Tavares. I think they are going to go out and try to win for him. They're going to use this uh, horrible incident as a motivator, and I don't blame them. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how Gilchenyuk and Engvall play in this game and how the game after the first line, how Toronto's game changes and how Montreal matches up. That, that, that's where, where it is. Yeah. If, if they can hold out the, uh, if the Canadians can hold on through the storm in the first 10 minutes of the first period, yeah. Toronto's going to try and come out flying. Yeah. They're, the they're going to want can, the first goal. Yeah. They're going to want yeah. that first goal to get the, get pumped up, get, get into it. Yeah. But if the Canadians can withstand that, that storm, if they can stick to their game plan, keep finishing their checks and kind of hold on a little bit, they'll be able to turn it around and push back because if the Leafs don't score quick, they're going to start getting down on themselves. You, you saw the doubt forming in their minds in the last game, even when they were, they dominated possession in the second period, dominated possession in the second period. I think it was 70% to their favor and couldn't get, they got the one goal thanks to a lucky bounce, but that price is in their head. So if price keeps playing the way he's playing. Anderson keeps taking it to them because, you know, one goal Anderson, if he does it again, we'll just keep calling him one goal Anderson because he just keeps getting a goal a game. Yeah, the, the back-checking by Montreal was incredible, too. Yes. Uh, that's something we haven't talked about, and I don't know if you guys talked about it on the last the show you did after the game. But the back-checking by Montreal was, was amazing. There, there was two or three plays that they stole from the, the Leafs by, by a good back-check and a good uh, stick, uh, stick lift or stick grab. And, uh, yeah. And Toronto, a lot of times, they came in on a couple two-on-ones where they had no idea what to do. It's almost like they were... Do I pass? Do I shoot? Do I pass? Oh, it's too late. And uh, it's, it's good on Montreal. So uh, I'm excited about tonight's game. And uh, tonight's game is going to be a game changer for the series, I think. Yeah, unless Toronto finds a way to realize, like the players themselves, you, you can see that they were playing it the same way they would in the regular season. Unless they find uh, that next gear, realizing it's the playoffs, the Canadians are going to be able to stick to their game plan. Well, Toronto hasn't figured out any other team's game plans in the playoffs. So hopefully they don't figure out Montreal's either. Mm. <laughs> Just saying. And Matthew's due for his one, he's due for his one five point playoff game. So you got to, you got to, you got to brace yourself for that too. Well, hopefully it's in game five. <laughs> 
when they're whatever. I don't care what game. Down, but he, like, he already has one or two games where he scores multiple points, and everyone thinks he's this point per game guy when really he only did it in one or two games. But sure, keep telling yourself. Statistically, you're not wrong. <laughs> Statistically. Yeah. Uh, so, any last thoughts there, Matt? Uh, just a quick shout out to uh, Bob Hartley and Team Latvia for uh, upsetting Team Canada at the World uh, Championships yesterday. No, no, I am not. No, no, can't do it. Damn you, I already, Bob. I already did it. <laughs> Damn you. How dare you out coach and, and win against Canada? Yeah, Latvia outshot. Uh, Latvia was outshot uh, thirty-eight to seventeen. If anyone's wondering, yeah, and they lot and they won two nothing. And they won That's two right. nothing. Yeah, I don't so even know who's playing for Team Canada. I didn't watch it's, it. Uh, it's not a deep roster. Let's just yeah. say that they went with a lot. They went. They went with a lot of uh, young guys. They went with a lot of young guys, and uh, yeah, it, it 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 is what it is. But uh, you know, hope for the best, obviously, for Team Canada. But this definitely wasn't their game. So, shout out to Bob Hartley. <laughs> All right, Treg. Uh, yeah, I got them. Okay. Shout out well, to hockey dummies for living up to your name. You're dumb at hockey. Way to go. Yeah, the the final response to show me where it's a knee on knee, uh, he would shake the hit if the knee wasn't extended. So he's admitting there's no knee on knee despite saying there was knee on knee. So at dummies. Anyway, enough with them. Let's stick to good podcasts, you know, like have a listen. If you're going to go to a Dean Blundell podcast, go to have a listen. They're way better than those other guys. At least they're realistic. For the most part. I mean, uh, Vinny's takes are awesome. I love those. Um, All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. We know there's a ton of podcasts out there. You listen to a bunch. And if we're one of them, obviously, because you've been listening, thank you. We appreciate that. We appreciate all the traffic. And because you are our listeners and because you support us, we have something for you. If you use the code unfiltered20, you can save 10% when you go to builtbar.com on your next purchase. Or for this weekend only, use unfiltered20 at East Coast Lifestyle and save 30%. That's this weekend only. As of Monday morning, it's down to 20%. So take advantage of those codes. Save a little bit. Buying, and I've already polished off three boxes of Built Bar. Amazing, amazing product. And East Coast Lifestyle, I mean, how can you go wrong? Great clothing. And of course, our long-standing partners at No Name Hockey. If you need hockey equipment, sticks, gloves, custom-made stuff, uh, t-shirts, hats, they're the people to go to see. So Jason Goulet, our friend over at, at No Name Hockey, has hooked us up with a bunch of stuff in the past. Uh, he has sent me some hockey sticks that even I can score with. So if I can score, you can definitely score with his No Name sticks. So check them out as well. And, uh, Again, thanks for listening. And remember, if you were talking. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no frills, no nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro, but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names, and players currently making a name.
I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.